Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on the air and in your ear. And once again, I am Martin, and I have with me the king of the casters. He is Mr. Brett Podcast. And Brett, <laughs> I know we are extremely excited to talk to the gentleman who's joining us today. Well, there's no question about that. I mean, much music for us growing up was a huge source of our music and how we how we kind of you know consumed that and so we're very lucky today to have one of the original vjs we have michael williams on with us and i mean michael you also do so much i mean you host you you do i mean radio of course you do teaching you do events motivational speaking i mean what is it that you don't do uh, I try to keep as busy as possible in this industry. I think if you're not busy uh, yourself on your own will and on your own power and you're doing things that people want you to do, ooh, that was never my thing. It was always being creative, do what I wanted to do and facilitate what musicians or other people around me wanted to do in the circle and uh so i uh i love a challenge what can i say i i um, just produced um a work with willie williams who wrote the song armageddon time with jackie matu uh the one reggae song that everybody thinks bob marley wrote but he didn't Okay, <laughs> we did a track we did two tracks actually with herb alpert who was just around on tour and uh, he played trumpet on two tracks, and it was just beautiful. Um, I'm in the studio doing production, engineering, whatever I can, just keeping myself busy, my own projects. I'm working on a book uh, about the my life and music, not just much music, but there is a big section of much music on, in there uh, because I had a full life in music before much music and uh, and after as well. I've always worked in and around music, uh, so that's I'm no stranger to that. But but I am a stranger to having it captured and presented nationally or internationally on film. Uh, it kind of scares me a little bit. And originally, when I was asked to do the film, I said no. Correct. Kind of me, you know. Pardon. The correct answer is you do everything but Windows. Then is what you're saying. I don't do windows, but I am a chef. <laughs> That's the important part. But yeah, when he asked me to do the movie, uh, Sean, I was like, nah, who are you? What are you? Let's have a meeting. We had a meeting for a few hours. He comes into the meeting and says, well, I just want you to know that I didn't really watch you on television. I really didn't know who you were, this, that, yeah, all of those things. And I'm going... <laughs> You're not helping yourself. <laughs> you're you're not helping the case of getting me to be in this uh, this project. And uh, it was until the very the very end of the meeting. I mean, I'm talking. I'm just about walking out the door into the snow here. You know, to walk home from Starbucks. This was around pandemic time, so everybody's masked up and everything. And he told me one thing. And after he told me that one thing, I went, hmm, sounds like rock and roll to me. Let's go, <laughs> you know. And that one thing was, is that he was investing his uh, his um, money into it. And he was, you know, he was he was putting up his for this, you know. And um, I'm always a lay it on the line kind of guy, you know, I, I, 
I appreciated the fact that um, he was putting himself on the line to do this film and believing in it and it and what we did as much as we did. Um, and uh, that was pretty important. And his wife was a very big fan uh, of much and of mine. And um, I said, dude, you know, you're going to put your house up for this. I'll come play. Let's go. You know, it was it was that simple. That was the type of commitment that I needed because that's the type of commitment I think that I put into everything I do. Yeah, you know, so I don't want to work with anybody that has any less commitment. I can just do it all alone. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah, it's very interesting because I think that one of the things that we've noticed, and we've talked to Christopher Ward and Eric M before, mm -hmm. just is is how committed the fans are of the much music era of those years when when that was so exciting. Oh, yeah. I was just in Montreal shooting a, another film on um, the show that became Soul in the City, which was called Club 980, Soul in the City. I'm walking down the street in Montreal going looking for breakfast and mimosas. <laughs> and it's Montreal. Easy to find all of that <laughs> in the morning with great bagels. Found all of that. And uh, I'm walking down the street there uh, over by the Spectrum, which is like Blurry and St. Catherine over by Plastes Art, if you've ever been there. Uh, if not, go. It's great, especially <laughs> around festival time. It's a wonderful city. Um, and uh, people stop me. You know, like I walk a few feet, somebody stops me. I walk a few more feet, somebody stops me. And they were kind of gushing about Soul in the City. And uh, and the work that I had done because they had witnessed the work on radio and television and everything that I had done in Montreal long before much music. So, you know, I, I have the honor to say that they made me a star in Montreal and it's sort of like my home. But I have the same feeling about Vancouver because I worked there before much music as well with musicians, with Bob Rock, Pale Liz, Skinny Puppy, DOA, Pointed Sticks. I was their tour manager and promotion wow. person. So uh, I had a profile in, you know, out there beforehand, which helped. And then I came back to Montreal originally and did show me, worked at Show FM and CKGM. Um, and I worked at those stations simultaneously, which no one does in in modern radio. So I had uh, a job on an FM station, the rock and roll powerhouse, the best rock and roll station in the country, um, which I'd like to buy. <laughs> and uh, um, show them FM. And then on Saturday between six and midnight, I created a show that was uh, called club 980 uh, soul in the city it was the original everything of soul in the city and uh that's a radio show that i've been working on since i was a kid this was the radio show that i dreamt of doing and um and uh they always loved the work and they always treated me exceptionally well everywhere that i everywhere that i went and so Montreal has been home, but it was Montreal was where all the good stuff happened, including being discovered for much music, you know, and meeting the person who was going to get me there and stuff like that. Uh, so it's uh, the dedication of the fans is amazing. You know, I 
I didn't, I thought there would be, I thought it would be a bit like radiation, <laughs> you know, the, the half life or the full life or whatever, but it's gone beyond that point. You know, it's gone beyond the point where um, I still get recognized or I have to sign autographs when I get off a plane or something like that, or I'm in places like Los Angeles or Paris where no one should know who I am and they do. And that's all we, or I'm in a tennis shoe store in LA buying shoes and I get stopped, you know? So that's always interesting because you shouldn't have seen me. How did, you know, it's always, how did you see me? I remember once I had a Polish DJ coming through much. He would take the tapes of soul in the city and smuggle them behind the iron curtain every week. It was great. And then finally he came to Canada. I met him. Great guy, you know? And so the audience has always been just wonderful. And the audience didn't come with the prejudices and the the uh, preconceived notions about music that radio did. You know, like they went there with us. We told them Duran Duran, they go, bang. We told them Living Color, they go, bang. We tell them, excuse me, Rollins Band, and they're listening to it. If that's what they want, if that's their spice of the Oh, excuse me, uh, that's their spice of the day, then so be it. But um, yeah, because radio, uh, radio was completely different. Radio didn't exactly embrace us. Uh, they had to follow us and they didn't like that at all. But they should follow somebody because radio is not very good these days. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to tell them what to do because they're they're a little bit slow. <laughs> yes. And, and that's the interesting thing, right? Because I know Mont and I could both speak to this, is that you want, whether it was watching, um, I mean, Soul in the City, we watched Rap City. I mean, we certainly watched Power like, Hour. Show, Power Hour, exactly. And that was the thing. It could feed every one of those loves. And you didn't mind watching any of the programs because you knew that something was going to be curated. Like everything that was curated was going to be of a quality that you could respect and enjoy. Uh, yeah, there was always going to be something that you wanted to see or hear coming up. And you didn't mind waiting. Mm -hmm. You know, you really didn't mind waiting. And uh, I like the fact that I could just be me. I could do the Power Hour. I could do Rap City right after. I could do Soft and Romantic right after. I could do the Country Show because that's my my musical realm is music it's not black music white music this that it's music you know it's music 100% music and to bring people together around music kind of was my mandate also to make the artist three dimensional as opposed to the normal two dimensions that you would see of an artist um you have to give them a past a present and a future to make them real live people that you, the audience, can uh, participate with, feel some sort of commonality with, or even discover as whole human beings. Uh, when we started, Montreal has always been an exciting uh, market for music, experimental, every kind of, any kind of music, but it's always been an exciting market. Toronto, that same music would be an underground one. Whereas to Montreal, it would be overground. So um, it was really bringing all of those things, all of those things that was a part of me together in one place, which is kind of this casing here. <laughs> That's me 
and uh, and much music gave me the opportunity to share my love of music basically with the country, if not the world. So that was always pretty exciting. And the devotion of the audience has been uh, just beyond uh, anything that I expected. I do want to get the name of the documentary out there because I don't believe we have yet. It's 299 <laughs> Queen Street West. 299 Queen Street West, which was the second address of Much Music. Tickets are on sale across the country now for the uh, for the premieres because we're going to take the premiere everywhere. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm opening or closing or throwing a party after. There'll be something. I don't know. But definitely get your tickets out. There'll be a Q&A with uh, the director and a lot of us there. Everybody that can be there will be there. And um, yeah, two ninety. The first, it's funny because the first place was ninety nine Queen Street, <laughs> and the second place was two ninety nine Queen Street. And uh, hey, but I guess it's all in a name. <laughs> well, what is the most important narrative that you wanted the to see the documentary capture about your time with uh, with much music? I think the most important thing for me was that. Um, uh, that he got me, that he understood what I was about, what I was doing there, because it wasn't what everybody else was doing there. I didn't have, I, I wasn't there to be this big star or something like that. Uh, I, my reasoning for being there, my modus operandi was completely different than anybody else's. And it had more to do with the nature of music and culture and a lot of different things. So uh, I wanted him to get me. And uh, I haven't seen the film yet, but I understand that he got me. And a lot of people don't get me. So if he got me, I'm really happy. I'm glad I haven't seen the film because I want to sit down and be uh, surprised and excited with everybody else you know it's my first time being in a film like this so seeing myself on a huge screen and actually going to see it i'm sure yeah. i've been on screens before but i've never gone to see it but this is about me so it was really important that he got me because that's the reason why i did the film and that's the reason why i did much music that's the reason why i stayed in canada and didn't go to la new york or wherever you know, at the time when those opportunities arose, I wanted uh, to do it here and I wanted to be close to family, friends and um, all of that. And I felt the work needed to be done here before it all went out to the rest of the world so that when it went out to the rest of the world, it seemed uh, full and complete. My work and the work that much music would do as well. So. So then when it came to, you know, promoting Canadian artists, because I mean, I believe that Canada has a very vibrant music scene and, and can stand up to, you know, certainly the rest of the world. Like, what was it like, you know, being on the ground floor of introducing a lot of those to Canada and the world? Well, I mean, again, I was at Shom FM before much and CKGM. So I have been doing that job for quite some time. The only difference that, sh that much made was that there was a camera in front of me but it was pretty much the same job or the same sort of job except i had to dress for this one <laughs> you know but it was uh it was interesting to see um canadian content work you know 
was very interesting to see that um being especially being on radio and doing all of the things that the original canadian content mandates required which was maybe about four to six 20 minute shows a day where you would take one artist and chop them up and play their music and talk about their career and maybe have them on the show or something like that i think that's really really important and i think that mandate has been taken away from the crtc well, we just took that mandate and went, I mean, come on, people are coming in to talk, you know, and these are Canadian. The first one of the first things we played was Jane Sibri, Mimi on the Beach, seven minute long video. Where is that going to happen? <laughs> Only there, <laughs> you know. So there was a love for Canadian music because these people were our friends. You know, a lot of those folks in Toronto, they were all friends with all the artists and musicians. Less me, because I wasn't from there. My friends were up in Montreal. You know, Luba, Michel Pagliero, Claude Dubois, Diane Dufresne, Harmonium, Richard Sagan, all of those. I brought French musicians in because I thought it was really important that they have a space. I also did all of the demo tapes, a lot of the demo tapes, and worked with Music Plus as well on various things so i thought that was i thought it was very important for french canadian musicians to have a voice uh because like canadian music they were doing amazing stuff i mean harmonium sold probably five million records before anybody in toronto or vancouver noticed <laughs> or knew at least anybody in the music business people knew about it but the music business wasn't really familiar and they weren't treating they were treating French Canadians like they were black, <laughs> you know? So, um, and also we did, uh, we put a face on Canadian music and we made black Canadian music, Canadian music. And we took away the differences that radio had. Radio doesn't have differences. They're just full of it, <laughs> you know, but, uh, because people want music. They're not asking if the musician is from Mars or Green. They want the best tunes that they can possibly party to at any given time or tunes that get them through and all of that. And much music gave it to them in abundance. So we had a much easier time than radio, for sure. So it's it's really international. Oh, sorry, oh. I was I was just going to comment about your passion. You know, your passion for music is obvious, and it's, and I think that's one of the things that that sold you to every one of us. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, um, uh, most people don't know that I'm a musician. Most people don't know that I'm a producer, an engineer, a drummer, percussionist, and vocalist. They have no clue because I never brought that into that. That belongs in another realm. But my passion for music comes from my mother, you know, and we we studied every form of music that is. And uh, when I was a kid, I used to sing Gregorian chants at nine o'clock in the morning every Sunday and Saturday at the Supplementary Center in Cleveland, Ohio. And that was a part of being in citywide choir. I didn't know that later on Gregorian chants and my knowledge of that was going to come in useful, let alone the four years of Latin that I took <laughs> you know, in school just because I wanted a basis of 
of language and uh and to study that so yeah man i mean hey i got three drum kits <laughs> i've got a hand drum kit i've got an old ludwig uh a black sort of uh black kit sort of like ringo star type kit and then i've got a rolling set of uh, electronic drums and stuff like that yeah music is uh you know i'm look i dude I, I have so much music backed up on my hard drive you just wouldn't believe it my record collection is like forty thousand pieces <laughs> you know uh but it's not just records that's records cds cassettes 78s 45s classic 45s and lps and 12 inches in every genre you could think of you know um so uh, i'm a music fan man i'm a i'm a music fan and uh it doesn't matter what type of music it is i'm a fan i'm a player and i'm a strong believer that it also gives us common ground to communicate about more difficult things so, you know. we have, of course, uh, listeners all across the world, not okay. just in Canada. Uh, in Canada, I mean, I think the significance of much music is hopefully known to many of our listeners, and if not all. Uh, but internationally, what would you say if they were to look at this documentary, to look at to find two ninety nine Queen Street West? Uh, what would they find out that they need to know? Well, I think they'll find out, they'll be given a good idea. Now, I haven't seen the film, but just from what I understand uh, is on film, is that they'll get a good idea of how this little station that could did. You know, yeah. uh, because we competed with MTV they took my program with foreigner that i did live at 99 queen street which whenever we had someone there it was always like a tiny desk concert <laughs> you know it was because of it was an office so it was always a tiny desk concert and foreigner i brought in foreigner i requested them to come in and they did uh and this is when uh lou graham was still with them yeah. and they did a little set in the show and uh and foreigner loved it so much they took that sent it to ask us for a copy sent that to mtv and said like this because <laughs> <laughs> they were going to do a similar thing at mtv and they said let's do it like this i mean i got them in front of me playing uh i want to know what love is you know waiting on a girl like you talking about i'm going who's that voice at the end of I want to know what love is because they got a choir. They got the New Jersey mass choir, but there was a voice at the end. I said, who's that voice? Mm -hmm. The voice was Jennifer Holiday from Dream Girls, right? Okay. And she's blowing on a foreigner tune. And um, so, uh, you know, if the artist understands that I love what they do and they normally do, then we're going, you know? My first, what you'll see, what I understand you'll see, you will see my first day at Much Music. You'll see that. And on my first day at Much Music, I interviewed Run DMC, <laughs> who I had interviewed before in Montreal. Uh, 
And a lot of these people I knew from Montreal, from Shome, uh, excuse me, which was really exciting. First day, Run DMC. Right after Run DMC, because I had to make them go off live, right? Right after Run, and, and literally, I had literally just walked into the office. I had just gotten off the, you know, I was staying across the street in a hotel, went from the hotel over to the office, walked upstairs, got, you know, like just walked four or five flights or whatever, walked in, get in the office, run DMC is there. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Cameras, lights, small space, whatever. Fit me up with a camera, put my wife's picture on the camera so I could look at her and not, you know, anything else. And, and um, other than that, it was radio on TV for the longest time. And um, then I do run DMC. Right after that, five minutes later, Lou Reed walks in. Hmm. He's in a bad mood. <laughs> you know, you don't want somebody from New York to be in a bad mood, <laughs> especially if they're Lou Reed. And I mean, he's got all the Lou Reed stuff on, all in black, nails black, and his arm is in a bit of a sling because he heard it or whatever, and he's resting it for the show that night, and he doesn't want to be there. <laughs> and I go up to Lou Reed, I look at Run DMC, I look at Lou Reed, and I go, hang on a second. And I go to Lou, I say, hey, dude, do you... um?" I said, he's in a bad mood. I said, how's Garland, his best friend, and my good friend, Garland Jeffries? And uh, he says, you know Garland? I know Garland, man. Are you kidding me? I've written stories on Garland. The first story I ever wrote was on Garland Jeffries. And I went to New York and did the interview and came back. So I know Garland. Lou thinks I'm cool, man. Okay. <laughs> Run DMC is over there. I say, you know Run DMC, man? He goes, no. Run DMC? No. Come over here, man. New York, meet Brooklyn. Brooklyn, meet New York. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I got to introduce the Kings of Rock to the Velvet Underground. How cool does that get? You know I mean? <laughs> the only problem with that is that I love that. I do that when I'm not getting paid. Never tell your boss. They'll never pay you what you're worth. Okay. <laughs> never tell them that you love your job so much. But for me, I think it was pretty obvious from fans to musicians and stuff that I, I loved what I did. Uh, another one was when Stanley Clark came in with uh, Jeff Beck and Stuart Copeland. They didn't, Stuart and Jeff Beck didn't want to come and do interviews. And Stanley guaranteed them it was going to be great because I had done a piece on him, which is his favorite piece that he shows everybody. And so they came in five minutes into the interview and I got Jeff Beck, Stuart Copeland and Stanley Clark all sitting there. It's a dream to me come true. I'm a huge Jeff Beck fan. I'm a drummer and I suck, but he's so much better. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Stanley Clark, one of my heroes just you know i mean i heard him on a pharaoh saunders record and lost my mind and so to have them there and to have jeff beck lean over to stanley and go yeah you were right i'm glad i'm here that's what i do it for i do it because i love the um i i uh i love the excellence 
that it can be. I love the the uh, time that can be shared amongst not only the audience, but the artist and myself. I don't think there's, I think all of these calories have, have weight to them. And I think that to have those people there and to express, um, to help the audience understand where they're going, what they want to do to get into that music, to understand those people. And I'm having a conversation with some of my favorite people in the world that I don't know, you know, and you don't know them either. Let's see what we get here. Let's go for the gusto. Let's go for the magic. Let's have fun. My radio show at shown in Montreal, I'd have people come in after the concert, like after Peter Gabriel, uh, Larry Fast, who was his synthesizer player and music director, comes over maybe with Jerry Murata and we talk, you know, that type of stuff. I, I love that. It's a, it's all one big after show. You know what I mean? Chatting to people after the shows and stuff like that. And um, I mean, and I've had favorites, uh, Robert Plant, Robert Palmer, Stanley Clark, uh, Lars from Metallica, um, Wynton Marcellus, Branford Marcellus. And the thing, too, is that nobody stopped me from expressing myself musically in the music form or genre that was in front of me or that I wanted to play or turn people onto. So while I'm doing something with Third World over here, then over here I got Terrence Blanchard recording four tracks for my show for the weekend, you know? I'm just, uh, I, I love it. I love it. I loved it. And I don't know if it could ever be created outside of my home. <laughs> you know, and I don't know if I'd ever want to create that with another group of people like that. I have another group of people that I work with now, uh, the rock and roll Sherpas and stuff like that. Great crews and stuff like that. That's what you need to do that. The crew was always fantastic. All the people there were rowing for the same cause, going in the same direction for quite some time while it lasted. And um, it does. The film doesn't take you from zero to the end from the beginning to the end that's probably going to be another film you know but at least this film is done now and we can uh see the way clear to maybe start to dissect it and say okay let's look just at soul in the city or let's look at this or let's look at that you know if you want to dissect different pieces of it you can and there will probably be more films the hard thing is the footage you know, because one group controls all the footage. But, uh, and a few people have died as well, like John Martin, the fellow who started it, along with Nancy Oliver and Moses. He's no longer, unfortunately, here. And John was the heart and soul of the whole thing. John and Nancy were the beating, John, Nancy, Moses, the beating hearts and souls of the whole thing that, that made it go. So, and then they brought us in one by one. I was lucky. I was the first non-Torontonian to, to be brought in because I would avoid Toronto like you don't know. Man. I'm, from, I'm from Montreal, you know? I got no problems. My Canadians win, okay? <laughs> I don't have those problems. So, you know, kind of like that. Michael, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can only imagine how surreal it will be to watch the film for you and to see footage of your first day. 
you know. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. I want my son to see it with me and his mom and stuff like that and my friends because um you know whole once it ends it's a whole different life you know it's a whole different life and and people who haven't seen it right they're going you did what <laughs> you know <laughs> so i'll never have to explain again what i did that's the first thing <laughs> which is which is really good but yes it will be very surreal i'm i'm really i'm really excited and i'm going to bring hankies and the whole thing and <laughs> and all of that and uh uh i may open for the film i i do open for i i dj a lot and uh, i i play with bands and stuff like that too um but i i offered to open for the film as a dj or do the closing or something so we'll see if that happens but um uh, I open for the Spoons. I'm their official opening act. Oh, nice! <laughs> and for the Lincolns and a few other people too that I open for, and then sometimes I go and I sing with or something like that. So we'll see. But it's yeah, it's going to be very exciting. I think I'm I'm very disappointed that it didn't get into TIFF, mm. but um, because uh, there were some wonderful supporters of it there. But you know. It, as Canadians, we so ignore Canadian things. <laughs> yeah. That sort of goes, that sort of goes with it, you know, and, uh, but that's okay. Like I say, there's an audience. If it wasn't for much, the music industry in Canada wouldn't be where it is. Well, I can say if it wasn't for much, I don't believe this podcast, our 12th year we're in now, mm -hmm. I don't believe it would exist. Nope. Um, yeah. You know, you, you furthered and deepened our love for the music industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, we love music. We spent eight years making a 200 page graphic novel about a glam metal band from the Sunset Strip. We've been doing this for a dozen years. You know, we, this is we live and breathe it as well. And, uh, you know, you were the epitome of cool on there. And I I loved it every time I saw you come on my TV screen. It meant a lot to me. So, uh, you know, I just want to thank you. And uh, Erica M may have had my heart, but you were the cool. <laughs> Erica M took you through puberty a second time. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Just like when I met Tina Turner for the second time. Yes, I, I was lucky enough to interview Tina Turner twice, and I, you know, and, and my heart is still intact. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I I really appreciate the words from you guys. Uh, you know, in terms of the influence and stuff like that. Uh, we'll take that out. Um, because uh you know it just means it means a lot that if you're you know that was the goal always that i always had different goals and different objectives that i wanted and they were all musical they were all cultural they were all social it was all about bringing people together and letting them be able to speak without heat without violence but also sharing the music because the music would take them there you like Metallica? You like Metallica too? Oh yeah, let's go! <laughs> you know, I got tickets. And there you go, man. You're in the mosh pit after that. If you can't talk about stuff after being in the mosh pit and sweating together at a festival and being hosed down and surfing the crowd and stuff. One thing I haven't done yet, crowd surf. Gonna crowd surf, <laughs> Gonna crowd surf man. I'm, I'm hoping to go out on tour with Living Color. 
Ooh, uh, be yes. next oh. year. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm working. So, folks, if you want to see us out there, just let us know, and we'll definitely come because uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think this whole much music thing may not be over yet. You know, I think there may be something there, and and. I'm not sure about that, but I am sure that I'm not over yet. So I got a lot of things that I'm doing that I've taken time off. And now I'm going to uh, do those things and present them to the public and stuff like that. To play music is a, is a great thing, but to sell music has always been weird for me. I've never <laughs> sold the music that I played on. But uh, the fact that this puts us all in a good position to have fun one more time and to get the band back together and uh, sing those songs and watch people smile from what we did it's going to be exciting and sean made that possible uh i'm really looking forward to seeing the film and seeing the audience that comes out for the film across the country um and then eventually it'll go to pay tv but you know people can come out and enjoy it with us and that was the that was the cool thing about much is that we always went different places in the country to do different things whether it was big tickets or whatever you know, so get to go out there and do that again. I'm looking forward to it. Canada, look out. I'm coming for you again. All right. <laughs> so I just came back from Slow Can in Vancouver, man. I'm going back out, I think, this weekend. And um, and then figuring out where I'm going to spend my birthday. And then come September 22nd, I'll see you guys, you know, at Roy Thompson Hall for the uh, for the event. It's going to be great. Well, hopefully you're going to see us. You'll see us in Calgary. That's where we're going to be. Oh, Calgary! Yes, come down to Roy Thompson Hall. What are you doing there? Calgary. I'm November first in Calgary. We already got it marked on our calendar. Yeah, you got it. Hey, man, I used to play the Riv Rock Room. Oh wow! (laughs) And Dimwitty's Lounge at the U of A. Oh boy, (laughs) the Pointed Sticks. There you go. And there was uh, there were Dimwitty's, and then there was uh. There was a place in a hotel that we used to play, and the guy who worked there for the cable company was Ian Hunter. And I thought, dude, you've got the coolest name in rock and roll. <laughs> you know, yeah, no your kidding. name after Ian Hunter from Mont the Hoople. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> so I hopefully I'll see you guys in Calgary, man. I'm really uh, I'm trying to get there for this. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, that would be amazing. But uh, Michael, thank you so much for your time. I know. No problem, man. To know, no problem you know. at all. I'll, like I say, I'll be out West soon. Um, and next year you got to come to slow can for the festival. Okay. Done. Consider uh, it all done. right. Cool. <laughs> and anything else you want or anytime you want to reach me for the show or something like that, just get in touch with Eric. He'll okay. grab me. Okay. Right. Cause I I'll send him, um, I just sent him some new music that I produced and stuff like that. And he's got a new bio on the Herb Alpert thing that I did and stuff. Whatever you need, we'll get you. Well, okay. yeah, what? we want to give you the chance just to tell everybody where they can keep up with you, where they can find you. Just promote yourself. Ooh. plug it. Uh, well, okay. Every June, I go to Slow Can the second week for a festival there that I curate and host and sometimes sing and play in good time it's called the slow can international music and art fair um at the slow can hotel johnny tornado on guitar look out uh then uh you can check me best if you want to get in touch with me best place is still facebook even though my my son says you know oh no one's on facebook anymore dad good that's where i'll be (laughs) uh you can reach me on facebook um 
because people do to come out and speak for anything from Black History Month to media classes to whatever. And uh, just keep an eye on that. And we'll be, uh, I got an Instagram page, which is uh, Black Rose Studios MW. That's my studio. Um, don't do much on that, but most of it's on Facebook. If you keep up with my Facebook page, you'll see a lot of stuff there. And then I think this year we'll be releasing, uh, there's probably a podcast coming this year, later in the year as well, or early next year. Uh, after we finish all the movie stuff so podcasts couple of records a bunch of records okay but yeah there's a bunch of records I, i've done a box set of just stuff that i produced and played Ooh. on and things like that so you can keep up with me go to the facebook go to the instagram and uh look out at those i should keep those up to date and other than that sooner or later i'll get a web page but i can't think of why <laughs> you're, sorry. you're doing you know, fine as it is michael right, williams michael williams thank you so much i my you know oh no problem thank you man for holding the flame keeping the spirit alive you yeah, know love because it is it how's the music scene in calgary how's it going there there's hmm. a lot of exciting young bands but as I get older, I have to admit it becomes more difficult for me to get excited to go see the young bands. You know, it's it's I think it's that's but there is a lot of exciting young bands here that, that I know people okay. are really interested in. Yeah, I I was uh, looking at uh, someone was talking to me about what's that's Jack, the Jack radio station. Mm, I had to yep. do a review of the Jack radio station and um, it didn't survive. <laughs> I, I i sent it i sent it off to be to be uh i i didn't understand i didn't understand the announcers i didn't understand the bad attitude i didn't understand some of the racist anti-woman comments and when i saw the commercial for it where the girl is wearing the tail of the monkey and people oh, are like yeah. a couple of years i was like just like you actually did that and that was like rogers and i was like you know i was i i i've heard a few things that i wasn't real you know i was i was shocked i was really really shocked that something so offensive would be on on tv and then i listened to the music and the music was just it was it was not very good you know, and I always think people deserve, if you're going to be on the radio, if you're going to be, they deserve the best. They're not there to know about you. They're there for you to do the job that whatever the job is. And I was, while I was out West, I listened to a bit of radio. It all sounded like 1985 or 86. Yeah. You know, like there was it's nothing true. of, is the college radio interesting? Is it carry that flame for new stuff? Actually, and... Yeah, it's CKUA does that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. it's 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 probably the place to go if you're. I mean, we're always talking about it. I mean, the you know, I mean, there is so much music released constantly every single day. I mean, talk about the amount of different tunes that are released every single day on Spotify. <laughs> you know, and and there's so much music out there and great music out there but nowadays it feels like people have to go hunt and search and you have to work to find it it doesn't come to you right. in the same way that it once did right well they don't have that. someone like yourself or myself sitting there going greatest tune i heard this week 
you yeah. know exactly. like i uh there's a girl uh, i heard something i got something in the email the other day and um because it, it's full of stuff every day and i saw her on saturday night live before i heard the track she was just magnificent there were two two latino girls two latin girls from new york and one from new york one from miami they, they were just outstanding i mean like it was just and the songs were more like riffs vibes they weren't really songs but you could tell this girl could sing and it was just like wow you know it was just like what bowled me over then she signed a record deal excuse me and she said i'm keeping my masters i'm keeping my publishing you want to do my records you want to put it out let's go interscope said okay let's go you know because it's not what it was it's not what it was and um I always say that I love music. I don't love business. Business is nothing to love. You know, business is to be done, not to be loved and to be done properly, you know, by people who love it. <laughs> Most musicians don't love the business, you know, because we're the creative people. But eventually we have to know the business so that we don't get robbed. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so many stories uh, of that, you know. Oh, tons, yeah. tons, man. But. I will, uh, I'm what I'm sort of looking at is one radio station, and I don't care what type of station it is, as long as they care. I have uh, a show called uh, Michael at Midnight, and uh, aka for radio, it's called the Midnight Drive, and it goes midnight to five, midnight to six, and it'll peel the paint off of a. <laughs> <laughs> It'll peel the paint off of a, a truck going at, going at top speed, man. <laughs> you know, so it's a, a show that plays just about everything. But there is a rock and roll addition to it that's like, that's just blistering. I mean, I got tracks, man. I got put it in my, okay, so this is what I did in my spare time while I was at much, which nobody knows. But we'll end on this. I, uh i uh here let me just see if i can find it for you I'll, I'll play it for you just so that you have a little idea of what i'm talking about here if i can find it uh i did um we did seven hendrix tracks wow we covered seven hendrix tracks in reggae oh nice <laughs> And before you ask, I did Polly Gap, Villanova Junction, which is the last song on um, Woodstock that he mm -hmm. plays. Covered that. Voodoo Child. Oh, classic. Who knows? Yeah. Then we did a dub called Sally Business, which is our version of Who Knows. We did two dubs, two, three dubs, three dubs. And so it's about, I don't know, five, six tracks, but it kept us busy for a while. We did all this stuff and we did all, we recorded all that stuff in one day. Wow. Like six, seven tracks one day. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time in the studio. I, you know, it's a job to be, let's go do it. <laughs> like that. Anyway, uh, that's the stuff. I'll grab your email and stuff and send you some tracks. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. That sounds amazing. That would be all great. right, man.
Good enough. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. Uh, we were only supposed to spend a half an hour, which we did. You got yes. everything you needed. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you know what, Michael, we're going to get you on again because because I okay. know that we we could talk for another like two or three days probably and still not cover probably. <laughs> but uh, you know. it just comes to talking music. I mean, we didn't even yeah. get to talk. I mean, we talked about the documentary and time, but just talking music. I mean, the show's called We Talk Music. Is we we yeah. love music. I'm just talking with somebody else who's passionate about it. I got, uh, do you I got do, a little bit of goosebumps right here, right on my. Do arm. you do live shows? Do you do your podcast live in Calgary at all, or do you do? Uh, no, we don't, because not, it's all it's all interviews generally done over Zoom. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I have a thing that I'm doing too, which is a live interview thing I'm going to do um, with Living Color when we go out. Uh, oh, sweet! You know, okay. I'm trying to do that with Living Color, Stanley Clark, and maybe Eddie Grant. Wow, uh, um, you know, sometimes we can we have to do those in one spot. Like Eddie, we can't tour with him. We might have to do them in one spot, take him somewhere, do it, sell the tickets. You know, people come and interview. But he's got a film I'm trying to cut now, so uh, or get recut. So, mm -hmm. uh, so there'll be some of that. But you should try and do it live. I mean, I'd go do it live with you know what I mean, just in a small like yeah. do it like fifty people. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I was surprised because I met some girls on the go train. Where are you going? Oh, we just came in from auto. What are you doing? We <laughs> we came in to go. We bought tickets to go see this podcast, a live <laughs> podcast, and they spent like a hundred bucks on the tickets. Travel wow. from Ottawa the whole nine yards. You know, wow. check into it. Yeah, absolutely, we will, we will absolutely. Awesome. All right, Thank folks. You, uh, can I get a copy of this, by the way? Sure, yeah, you, you bet. bet. Great. I no appreciate at all. that, man. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, it'll be a little bit before it's edited, and then we'll get it up and uh, get it if, in case there's anything that needs to happen, and we'll get it over to you. Okay, man. Good enough. I really appreciate it. Uh, when I'm in Calgary, um, you know, I'll look you up because yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be there, whether I'm there for the with the film or not. But I'm hoping to be there for the film. Okay. Yes, yes because we all would right. love to. We would love to talk in person. Okay, let's do that. Okay. okay. Thank you. Sounds cool. Great. I'll see you. I'll see you in November then. You betcha. All right. All right, right man. Thanks, Thank Michael. You. All right. Take care. Thank you. All the Bye -bye. best. Bye now. You too. Man. Cheers.
in all the earth. All I to abide in thy tabernacle and to dwell in thy holy hill. I miss it one more step in out of Babylon. Stepping out of Babylon 